You're listening to 103.5 FM WNHH Community Radio. This is A Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. Today's guest is Tiffany Jones. Tiff is a food lover, up and coming in the world of food blogging and social media. She's got the passion and the cute tag name. She lives in Connecticut, CT, and her name is Tiffany, so she calls herself C. Tiff Eat. And that's exactly what she wants us to do. I met her in line at Trader Joe's a few weeks back while she was working the register. Having worked in the food industry for a good part of my life and generally loving people, I tend to talk to everyone, and as much as possible, we talk about food. So when Tiff started waxing poetic about her boyfriend's mother's Jamaican restaurant in Bridgeport and her second job at my favorite ramen spot, Mecha, and then she told me she had a food blog, well, the deal was sealed and I knew we were meant to get to know each other better. So that lands us at today, where the two of us food lovers get to sit down and get to know each other and chat it up about our love of food and building community and see where the conversation takes us. Tiff, thank you so much for joining me on The Table Underground. I'm so excited and happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I love learning about food in people's childhoods because I think that it tells us so much about what your tastes are later in life. So I thought maybe we would start with a question about what is the first food that you remember loving to eat? This is going to sound so silly, but I just remember being so in love with Chef Boyardee canned ravioli um i definitely did eat a lot of great food my family cooked a lot but i also love the convenience food just like any kid does i just remember loving to open up a can of chef Boyardee. um that was the first food i think i was able ever to make for myself Mm -hmm. because it didn't require a lot of you know heating i wasn't going to burn myself on the stove at nine years old and then it just grew my love for pasta. I know it doesn't really sound like pasta, but it it was for me. And baked ziti, lasagna, packets of ramen, learning to boil that. And and then I really started to appreciate my family's cooking after that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember that too. Like at my dad's house, I used to get to eat, like we called it junk food. Oh, yes. (laughs) My mom's house, we didn't have most of it. But yeah, it was fun as a kid. Easy to like open a package and make that stuff. So Mm -hmm. it is like a gateway into other other things what kind of food did your family cook when you were growing up oh man uh every holiday we always looked forward to the uh, potato salad the baked macaroni and cheese the nicely perfectly seasoned collard greens we'd use smoked turkey necks of course um just things you would associate with typical soul food Mm -hmm. um i always looked forward to the baked mac and cheese again noodles pasta Mm -hmm. my favorite food (laughs) uh it was it's so simple, but just those things to this day come for me, and I, they're so nostalgic for me. Those are my favorite things. Yeah. Who was cooking in your family? Everyone. I have a family of eaters, and it's mostly women. Um, so my aunts, my mom, my grandmother, we all pitched in in the kitchen, and we still do to this day, especially for holidays. So we all had a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up eating like a lot of different kinds of food, or was it mostly just the kinds of foods you had at home? It was typically just the food I had at home. Um, I, I do remember us, you know, going to different places like, uh, Frankie's diner and trying different things there and other local 
food places, but mostly it was the same foods. Um, I remember, I think one of the first things I tried that wasn't really something that I ate at home was sushi, a California roll. Mm. That opened up a whole new world for me. I didn't know it existed, didn't know where it was from. And I just remember not liking it at first, but Mm -hmm. because it was so different, I kind of wanted to like it. So I got it again and I gained an appreciation for that. So yeah, it was mostly just the food we had at home and things I was used to eating at, you know, diners and typical restaurants we frequented. But I I definitely, definitely wanted to branch out after I tried that first bite of sushi. Mm-hmm. Where did you get the sushi from? Oh, it was probably a supermarket. But <laughs> you, I mean, did you just, did your parents buy it for you? Did you buy it? My aunt. I remember my aunt, um, she moved out of my grandmother's house where we all grew up and she worked in New York and I remember her coming back um, and asking me have you ever tried sushi before Tiff and I remember saying no I couldn't have been more than 10 years old and she brought me some and I remember trying it and not liking it at first so she she was the one that kind of introduced me to that yeah Mm -hmm. that's interesting that your reaction was that you wanted to try it again because so many people have the reaction like "Ooh, I don't like that I'm not trying it again what do you think made you want to try it again I think because it was something so different and again, something I'd never experienced and because she sought, you know, to actually show this to me and I wanted to like it because it's like, oh, it's something different. It's something mm-hmm. new. And she thought enough to say, hey, try this. And I just wanted it to be something that I learned to like. Yeah. And so now you have launched just this year mm-hmm. a blog and Instagram and Snapchat and everything mm-hmm. about food and sharing your adventures in food. So what got you from eating that sushi to now having all these other food adventures and kind of sharing that with people? Um, I would go to buffets and I would, I would go to different restaurants as I got older. And even in college, I got to experience some other cuisines because I went to school in Boston for the first year. And there's a lot of different kinds of foods there that I got to try and just, Getting involved also in high school, um, I was the head of the diversity club there, and we got to host a cultural diversity dinner every year, and that just introduced me also to so many different foods. Some of the people that were my friends in the club, they had their families prepare traditional meals, and it was just, it blew my mind. I never knew about these foods. I never knew about these places. I didn't know, I didn't really think too much about the fact that other places had such rich cultures and such different ideas of what basic food was it baffled me when i would tell somebody that i ate canned ravioli and they would just look at me like what you You, eat that yeah (laughs) and you enjoyed it and to to hear what they ended up eating on a regular basis and things that i'd never heard of and they were surprised that i didn't know what they were so just getting getting exposed to that in high school and it just made me even more curious and to really realize that I could experience other people's cultures through their food. I mean, it's so nostalgic for me. So I just, I love experiencing what other people feel to be nostalgic and doing that through food is like an easy and such a fun and gratifying way. Yeah. Oh, I totally relate to that. What, what were some of the foods that people were sharing? I tried baklava for the first time and I tried flan for the first time. It looked disgusting, both of them to me. Honestly, I was just like, why is this dessert so sticky and wet? (laughs) Um, And it just tasted so interesting. I'd never seen, you know, dough piled like that with nuts and, and then seeing the flan be so jiggly. And I'm just like, how could that be a dessert? It it looks gross. And I tried it and 
I wanted to go to that person's house and like shake their grandmother's hand like this is amazing. And I just wanted to learn how these things were made and, you know, where they came from. And it just it just opened up all these <laughs> different spaces in my brain. So it was that's great. Mm-hmm. And was this in Bridgeport that you went to high school? No. Where um, did you go to high school? Actually, I went to a private school, Greens Farms Academy in Westport. Mm. Yeah, my mom was very much. Um, she always pushed for me to get the best education I could. So I moved schools a lot. Um, I've been to so many different schools and that was my second year spending time out of the school district in Bridgeport. The first one was in South Norwalk, um, a charter school called Side by Side. Okay. I took the train there and I took the train to Westport for school. And yeah, so I had gotten out of the Bridgeport school system for a little while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you got to be exposed to a lot of different things. So, th- yeah. so that's one maybe one positive thing that came out of that. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Was that hard for you being being at school, going from Bridgeport culture, and as an African American woman, like going to Westport culture? It was incredibly difficult. I mean, the di- dichotomy of <laughs> my situation at home versus where I was going to school. It was an old Vanderbilt mansion. Wow. Just surrounded in affluence. And I wasn't used to it. I wasn't used to those kinds of people. I wasn't used to that kind of mindset. And just, it was a hard transition for me that I don't think I ever really got through. Even as I graduated, it never really sunk in for me. Mm. Um, So I definitely, I felt, you know, a lot like an outsider for most of that experience. But I made the most of it. I grasped onto that diversity aspect because that's what I felt I needed to do. I needed to say, hey, I feel different in this environment and I want to teach you about my difference and I want to learn about yours and I want us to coexist with that difference in mind, but just celebrating each other, not feeling like there's a barrier. Yeah. Was, were most of the people on the diversity committee other students of color? Yes. And those were ended up being the people that were my closest friends in school. Um, there were a variety of people. There were friends from Vietnam. There were friends from India. There were friends from you know, Jamaica. There were friends from Puerto Rico and so yeah, we definitely had a nice melting pot there. Yeah, and so you weren't so alone in it, at least, yeah. Yeah. So now you're going out and adventuring out in the world mm-hmm. a little bit. So how do you go about finding the places that you want to eat? Um, I really love getting recommendations from people because if somebody's passionate enough to tell me about a place that they love, mm-hmm. oh, I want to go there. If you If you take the time to tell me, oh, you're going to love this, I want to know and I want to go there. Um, of course, I'll use Yelp every now and then um, because you do get a lot of feedback from people, honest people mostly, right. that tell you exactly what they like. They tell you exactly what they don't like. And most days I'll just do a Google search. If I'm in the mood for certain cuisine or if I know I'm going to be in a certain place, I'll just quickly see what comes up, what's the most popular hit and give it a chance. Yeah. I love looking at the photos on Yelp oh, also yeah. because you read reviews, but you know, don't know, like, do you have the same judgment as mm-hmm. the person that you're reading the review from? And when you see the photos, it helps you get a sense of like, oh, this is really fancy or it's more a hole in the wall or which can be great or, um, you know, just get a sense of more what it's like. So, oh, yeah, you got to yeah. eat with your eyes first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what are so now you live back in Bridgeport, mm-hmm. right? So what are some of your favorite um, restaurants in, in Bridgeport? Well, um, one I do find myself going back to is Frankie's Diner. I mean, I've been going there since my mom was pushing me in a stroller. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, nostalgia, very much comfort food for me. They all know me there when I walk in, you know, how's your mom? And I love, love that place. I always try something new there. It It's changed over the years. So 
I see it reinventing itself and I get to, you know, re-experience the same foods I eat, but in a little different way. And some things have stayed classically the same. So it's nice. So I haven't been to Frankie's Diner because mm-hmm. I, I go to Bridgeport occasionally to eat almost always, but I haven't been there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like? Is it a regular diner? Or is there something special about it? It is a regular diner. It is, it is just a regular diner, just like almost any other diner you'd go to. But I think what makes it special for me is that I've been going there since before right. I could talk and walk and... I do. I've come accustomed to loving the food there and just the environment in general. Yeah. Do you usually go there for dinner, breakfast, or Um, or all different meals? When I was growing up, we did go there a lot for breakfast, you know, like after church on Sunday, we'd all end up there. Um, Or when my dad comes into town, because he's living in New York now, we will end up going there for dinner or sometimes for breakfast or just just for anything. But it's a diner, so you can get whatever you want at any time of day, which is convenient. So I've definitely had my fair share of western omelets for dinner (laughs) and so do you have other favorite places that you've been really excited to to post about um i do i haven't posted about frankie's diner because i want it to be a special post because it's so special to me um but a lot of really basic places like the fast food chinese place again i walk in oh i haven't seen you in such a long time you know how's your mom taijing in bridgeport I would love to post about them and just, you know, nostalgia. That Those are things I really want to get back to on my posts. I do a lot of nuanced um, food for me that's nuanced, you know, recently. But I definitely would like to get back to just the simple places. Um, Mommy's Patties in Bridgeport. Been going there for forever. And that's actually the mm-hmm. restaurant that my boyfriend's family owns. Um, I would love to do a post on them. They absolutely deserve it. Their food is the best Jamaican food in Bridgeport. Um, and so I, they have patties, clearly, because oh, it's in their name. But tell yes. us what else they have there. Oh, man. My favorite thing to get there is oxtail. Oh, my God. Their oxtail, so good. Their jerk chicken, their curried goat. They also do um, goat head soup, which is really great. They have great breakfast. Um, they do the ackee and salt fish. It's, they make their own juices there. Mm. Um, if you don't like beet juice, you should give it a try there it's really good do they just do straight up beet juice or is it mixed with other stuff it's mixed with other stuff because yeah. i can't do straight up beet juice yeah no it's intense um but they they do like a little cinnamon you can taste in there oh, nice. they they make it nice yeah yes that's great is it a sit-down place or a takeout or both it's mainly takeout i think they have a couple of places for you to sit but it's a quick grab and go kind of place okay tell us the name again mommy's patties mommy's patties that's yes. awesome and so we got started when we met talking mm-hmm. about caribbean food and jamaican food because yes. there are so many spots in mm-hmm. between bridgeport and new haven there's a ton of spots what are some of your other favorite ones um there's a uh, vegetarian vegan restaurant actually Chandal's in bridgeport mm-hmm. um it is so flavorful so good honestly if you're not a vegan or vegetarian you'd probably still mm-hmm. enjoy it you wouldn't you almost wouldn't know it's not meat um yeah. he does such a great job you know incorporating wonderful flavors i mean jamaican food it's hard not to incorporate the flavor right. but that's a really great one um there there are so many there yeah. are too many Let's yeah we have another we have a vegan one that recently opened over the past year or so in actually close to where you work at mecha really? um called caribbean style it's Ooh. on george street right by the corner of orange and it's a husband and wife team and they do like they have a whole hot table with probably 15 or more offerings mm. every day of all different kinds of stuff it's also vegan um, but then we have a lot of regular places with oxtail and goat and other stuff all around oh yeah so yeah we got to do a show just on that i've had a few people ask me to who want to do that with me so that would be great i gotta try that place now yeah yeah it's really good so um you work at two food 
spots mm-hmm. <laughs> so how so first of all like did you choose your job at trader joe trader joe's and at mecha because you love food or was there some other how did you end up at those places um well i definitely wanted to at this point in my life i wanted to start to center around something i'm very passionate about which is food um and it just kind of worked out that I applied to Trader Joe's amongst, you know, a slew of other jobs and I got hired there and it just, it made sense for me. I love grocery shopping. Anybody who's a foodie kind of, you love the experience of just exploring ingredients. So the idea of working there was just like, yes, you know, um, plus it's just a great environment, great place to work. And then, um, again, I was looking for more kitchen work. I wanted to get more experience there as a person who loves to cook. Um, and it also worked out that I got a chance to work at Mecha. Just doing prep, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually, you know, on the line, you know, cooking your food, but I am putting the love and care into chopping it up and getting it prepped for the line. Yeah. Which to me is so gratifying to know that people are in the front eating something that I had my hands on and that I took my time to actually, you know, prepare for them in any way is just gratifying for me. Yeah, it's such a satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. I I got into cooking because. I felt like food was an art that Mm -hmm. I could actually do for a job. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have any issues about making food that and pouring my whole heart and creativity into it and then selling it or having someone pay for it versus any other kind of art. I was like, that sort of took the joy out of it. Mm -hmm. But the food part, it it didn't feel complete until somebody ate it. So it was like, really got to do that. So how is it being in the kitchen? Like, did you know about, had you eaten much? They have ramen and they also have pho and other. So it's sort of a mix of like Japanese and Vietnamese and mm-hmm. foods from different Asian countries. Had Were you familiar with these foods before you started working there? Um, I was actually. So uh, again, I went to school in Danbury. I worked there for a very long time. And there's a place called Pho Vietnam, who apparently is owned by the same people that own Mecha. Oh, cool. Um, but I knew about Pho Vietnam. Um, I had gone there a couple times with my roommates in college and I fell in love. I mean, it's like a different idea of soup than I had ever actually seen. Um, they just do pho. They don't do any ramen. And their broths are so flavorful. And I tried tendon and tripe for the first time in there. I fell in love with those textures and flavors. So I definitely knew about that. Um, and So for people who don't know about pho, yeah. can you tell them what, what else is in it? What's special about you have the broth, you have some sort of meat or protein, and yeah. then what else? Um, there's usually cilantro in there. Um, they do offer the um, ability to put Thai chilies on the side if you want. There's also Thai basil that they put right in I there. I love, it's like my favorite thing in the world. Because it has a like, licorice basil taste. I know. It is my one of my absolute favorites herbs in the world mm-hmm. when yeah. i go and i sit at the table i load it up i yeah. just take all of it i ask does anyone else want some because i'm gonna take this. i love when there's a really good pho place that brings you a whole plate with yes. like basil and mint and mm-hmm. cilantro and mm-hmm. lime and mung bean sprouts yes. and it's like you get a bowl of soup and then you get this plate of all these fun things to add in mm-hmm. it's just heaven it's <laughs> so. perfect i love it it's almost like buffet style you know right a little bit of lime here a little bit of, and i always get chilies on the side i need that spice yeah nice but yeah it's 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 a really hearty just perfect rainy day or even cold weather soup that you want with noodles who doesn't yeah. want the noodles <laughs> all comes back to the pasta yes always <laughs> i'm glad you're having like positive experiences in mm-hmm. food industry because some food jobs are really rough and difficult and so it sounds like you've gotten to put yourself in places that are more positive yes fortunately yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I did, this isn't my first food job. I did work at Boston Market, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, you know, it's, it's not really working, you know, as prep or in, on the line of a restaurant, but it was still getting that fast-paced food environment experience and just, you know, learning how to measure temperatures and learning how to deal right. with, you know, excess food and properly wrapping. And I'm very grateful for that experience as I've gotten to have it, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm actually, you know, I like the stress of the kitchen in a way because I feel like it's good stress. You know, you feel like you're being productive towards something you actually want to do and something you actually want to put out there. So it's it's very good stress. You feel gratified once the stress is gone. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you hoping to do more cooking? Is that like a direction that you want to go in or is this sort of just exploring the kitchen right now? Um, I think I want to do more cooking. I definitely, I, I notice a difference clearly between, you know, me being at home cooking and then uh, being in the kitchen cooking at a grand scale when i'm at home it's you know much smaller i'm only cooking for me or another person um and then having to chop like you know pounds of scallions is a whole different experience but i i'm liking it so far and i do think i want to do more of it um i just don't know on what scale or in what way it's all think still very new and experimental for me yeah it's great that is so much what i did in in my life at, at your age as well is like follow my heart into different things. Mm-hmm. And I think when you, you know, you do what you need to do to make enough money to survive and you follow your heart and passion and it, you kind of all those little experiences, even Boston market, even if it's not the food that you're like, this is food I want to cook. There's so much you learn from that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you learn about being on the inside of a food industry, like right. a, a corporate food thing and all those experiences like build up through your life and mm-hmm. it's so valuable. So I think that's really great. In terms of the um, food photos you're taking and places you're going to eat, what are you trying to share with people? What are you trying to communicate through through that? I was one of those people that was taking pictures of their food anyway, because I much see it like you. It's an art. It's an art to create a plate, a dish of any sort. And I saw it as an art, so I would take pictures. And I really thought, why not share that with people if I'm just going to compile them on my phone? And... Um, I also constantly got complimented on the way that I express my thoughts about food. So I wanted to share that as well. So I like to give detailed captions on it um, and just, you know, praise the food that I find to be delicious and let other people know about it. Um, I think Connecticut is a place that people don't think to have such a rich cultural base for food. I mean, you can literally taste any country you want here. All you have to do is go to a restaurant and you find people from those places. And I don't get to travel much. I don't get to get outside of the country. Um, but I can when I go try another mm. culture's food. Yes. And, high five. <laughs> and I also enjoy talking to the people that own the places or work there because a lot of the time they're not from here. or They have family that's from the country they're from. And it yeah. just it becomes an entire experience. And I want to share a little piece of that or I want to share more of that as time mm-hmm. goes on. But I just. I want everybody to feel what I feel when I'm eating my food. Yes. Oh my God. I am like, you are, we are kindred spirits in that way. Totally. Cause I go places and I'm always asking them like, Oh, whose recipe is this? And mm-hmm. where'd you cook it? And, and I love when you get to be at a restaurant where it's like the people who open the restaurant or the family, you know, sometimes over years, like the people who originally founded the restaurant leave, but if you still mm-hmm. get to be there when those people are there and they have the stories behind the food and, and they're really taking pride in it, it is so meaningful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that. Um, So in terms of sharing that, do you have, and I know that you were 
you had told me before we started recording just that you were caring about kind of community mm-hmm. and 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 some things about how your mom raised you. How do you think about um, the work that you're doing with like promoting food and restaurants and how that impacts community building or, or like bigger things in the world that you want to have an impact on? So my passion is food, but it's not my only passion. And right now I'm expressing myself through that. I do definitely want to incorporate more of just talking about my city and just my state in general. I want to celebrate the good parts of what people don't know about Bridgeport and people don't know about Connecticut. And right now I'm doing that through food, but I I do want to share so much more about it. I, I want to support the local businesses, the small businesses that base their livelihood on providing such great food and um, just opportunities for people to revisit their country through a meal and have other people visit their culture through a meal. I want to celebrate that and have other people learn about it from my perspective. Um, and I, I just, I want to, I want to branch out more into talking about education and talking more about cultural and racial issues because it does tie in after a while. Um, I had an experience recently where I went to an Ethiopian restaurant. We talked about food and we talked about Eritrea and Ethiopia, Ethiopia yeah. and how the divide started and you know how she's still um the woman i spoke to she was half and half and the food just unites them the food is what really like it doesn't matter which part you're from when you come in you still get to enjoy the food and i, I just want i want those kind of stories to be told about people here in connecticut mm-hmm. and i want i want people to be educated that way and i just want people to find an appreciation for what they've got around them mm. um so I also want to, I want to branch out and talk more about education and how passionate about that I am and the things that are going on in the city. And I haven't really found my way how to do that yet and really incorporate that into my, my vlogging, but it's coming to get there. Yes. It's coming. So Bridgeport is usually characterized Mm -hmm. as like a poor city. There's crime or there's just like a lot of vacant storefronts and stuff. So tell us a little more, like this is an opportunity to celebrate Bridgeport. And I love Bridgeport. <laughs> My dad actually grew up in Bridgeport. So, um, but yeah, tell me more about like, what do you want to celebrate about Bridgeport? I know that they're building it up now. Um, sadly, part of that is through gentrification mm-hmm. in a way. They are raising prices on places where people live and it is kind of forcing out the people that have been here for years because they can't really afford to continue to live here. Um, and the education system has been a tough topic for me. Um, I did grow up in Bridgeport. I did go to the schools here. I excelled in the school systems here and I want everyone to do that. I want everyone to be able to stay in the city and still have, have pride in the fact that they can stay there and have a great place to live and have a great place to raise their kids and to learn. Um, because I honestly do think it is not just for the food, not just because it's an eclectic place to live, but. It's so rich in history. It's it's got so much potential to just be this this cultural hub for people to come to and just enjoy um, Seaside Park. I still go there and just admire the fact that there's a beach here. Not a lot of places can say that. I, I live so close to a beach, um, and that's just one small part of what makes it beautiful. Everyone knows about P.T. Barnum and the rich history there, but there's just there's just so much more to mm-hmm. be seen and to be felt there. Just the city could be more alive to me. I just want people to take more pride in the fact that they have such a cultural rich city, such a history rich city, 
and um, to do what they can to just put that forward um, and to love each other. I know that sounds so, you know, I guess cliche or I just want everybody to really have an appreciation for their neighbor like I do. I'm proud to be from Bridgeport. I'm proud to be the person I am. Um, Even though I did go, you know, to high school in another place, it was it was always to come back and to give back to my city. I want, I want to help my city grow in the best way possible. Yeah, that's great. And I think that like, you know, stories are really powerful and the story that's told about Bridgeport can be changed. Mm -hmm. And part of that change is telling different stories, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that's what you're trying to do. And I think that's wonderful. And, And you're doing it around food, which is something that people connect with. So, yes. So that's a lot of what I'm trying to do in New Haven too, or actually, you know, some of the stories go beyond New Haven, but using food as that entry point, because people, most people like food in some way and, and it's interesting and, and it has all of this history and all this context and all this complicatedness around like race and slavery and globalism and like, you know, all Mm -hmm. of these things, but it also has wonderful memories and flavors and smells and brings people together and all that. And so I think food is a really powerful way to talk about all those issues and Mm -hmm. to celebrate a place and, and to change that story. So yeah, I'm, I'm really appreciate that you're doing that. So outside of Bridgeport, do you have other favorite food spots? Yes. And a lot of them, again, center around being with family and finding reasons to celebrate. We would go to Sylvia's every year in New York um, and just go. So like and, a famous soul food restaurant. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we absolutely do enjoy our soul food. Um, her cornbread is the best. We were going there still when she was alive. You know, mm-hmm. she's passed away since. Um, we were going there when my grandmother was still alive. We've gone there with her. We've gone there since. Um, for a while, we were going on the anniversary of her passing Mm -hmm. to commemorate her and just again come together as a family as you get older you know people might grow apart a little bit but food and those kind of places bring us back together um i've also grown to have a love for hoodoo brown um, barbecue in ridgefield Mm -hmm. i don't get to go down south often uh, but i do enjoy a great barbecue and to me that's like one of the best so where is this in ridgefield yes it's in in ridgefield in connecticut in connecticut yeah oh okay oh yes it's not far from danbury um and it's it's incredible their flavors are great their story is kind of a cool story um i got to talk to i think one of the owners when i went there one of the first times and they're just there's always they're always packed to the point where they're running out of food their food is so good yeah oh jimmy's that's another place in savin rock yeah yeah yeah. that's another place my family and i would go to and i'm notorious for getting my shrimp parm there or like a spicy seafood um pasta i always get pasta even though it's a seafood place, I still manage to get my noodles in there. <laughs> um, but those are just places that I can think of that whenever family wants to get together or when my dad comes into town or when I just know I want something good that I'm used to, I'll go to those places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is special about the barbecue place? Is it just the meat cooked just right or is it some other special? Um, What's it, it called again? Hoodoo Brown. Hoodoo Brown. Okay. Mm-hmm. And eh, I think my dad heard about it once... Um, just opened and we went there and we fell in love they have such a nice atmosphere you really do kind of feel like you're in another place you feel like you're down south um and it's very welcoming and the food is very homey um and 
I've seen other barbecue places with similar styles and setups, but their their flavors are really just their brisket is great. Their barbecue sauces, which are signature sauces they've got on their table, they just mesh so well with their meats, and it's it's a nice experience mm. that keeps me wanting to come back. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions from me that you wanted to ask? Because I know we're just getting to know each other. So did you want to ask me anything? Oh, yes. Um, Where did your passion for food come from? It is one of my absolute earliest memories of things that I love. So I feel like I can't remember a time when I wasn't passionate about food Mm. from when I was like really little. So I think that um, my mom and my dad... I think food was one of the only things they had in common. Mm -hmm. And they got divorced when I was two and a half, so they didn't get along about most other things. Mm -hmm. But um, my dad was an amazing cook, and he liked to make, like, roasts and, like, big meat dishes. And my mom was much more into making pastries or, like... um, appetizers or salad kind of things and they used to make these huge buffets and have like big parties my dad liked to entertain they both liked to entertain so I think it was a big part of my family and what I was around Um, and when I was little my mom used to um, bake out of our house Mm -hmm. and deliver she was a like a speech pathologist in the school system but on the side she would bake out of the house and deliver food to what was Annie's firehouse like a little a little restaurant mm-hmm. in New Haven. And so she would make pastries and then we would like drive them over to the oh. restaurant. And so she started teaching me like how to make meringues and how to decorate cakes and things like that. And so I have this memory from when I was little of her making meringues, like the kind that you dry mm-hmm. in the oven, but these like really big, like kind of French meringues. Mm-hmm. And they would stay in the oven overnight because you turn the oven on and then you turn it off. So it's just warm and the pilot light, they basically dry out overnight. And so in the morning, she'd pull out this tray with these big mounds of meringue. They look like clouds, like sugar clouds. So as a kid, that was like totally magical Mm. food for me. So I remember that. And then I feel like that love of food, like every kid's book that I read, I remembered the food in it. Every story, there was a story with like cinnamon toast and one thing and like... (laughs) mangoes the um there was this book in the 70s called free to be you and me which is like this um total hippie book about like girl empowerment and you know dealing with like gender issues and different things but there was a story about this little girl and she was eating a mango and I was Mm -hmm. like at that time you didn't have mangoes everywhere that Mm -hmm. you went right and I was like oh a mango and so I think I just was sort of obsessed with food. I don't know how much of it was genetic and how much of it was just what I was raised around, but that's like being in the grocery store, getting sugar cane for the first time, mm-hmm. or eating fresh figs. And um, my mom was an immigrant to this country, and so hearing about foods, like she was born in Holland and then moved to Israel, and then here, because my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, so that was sort of their journey. But um hearing about foods that she ate when she was a kid that were at the time you also couldn't really find fresh figs Mm -hmm. around and stuff so all those things were just huge um parts of my life and I think I just loved eating and just had I don't know it's just part of who I am it infuses like every waking minute of my day (laughs) so yeah yeah that's awesome yeah so um you said you've done a lot of cooking jobs what was your first one where did it start out for you so I helped my mom when I was a kid actually learning how to do some of these techniques and then um 
I worked in kitchens in the summer in in some summer camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like when I was in high school. Okay. And so that was where I started learning how to cook on like a big scale, like mm-hmm. a big pot where you cook soup for 300 people or stuff. So that was nice because I got to learn in sort of a lower pressure environment how to cook on a big scale. And some of those kitchens were also people who were cooking like organic food, kind of farm to table, but yeah. before we called it farm to table. Um, and so that was like really foundational for me, like learning that stuff. And then I just started getting jobs. Like when I was in college, I did a lot of work study jobs, mm-hmm. cooking, you know, baking things for a tea house on campus or, and then I moved to, into New York City and started getting jobs. And I just kind of talked my way into kitchen saying like, oh, I, I cooked in the summer camp. So like you should hire me because <laughs> I know how to use a knife or something. And so I had enough like little bits of experience that I just kept getting one job after another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's funny because I feel like that's where I am now. I'm like trying to push my little bits of experience to like get me into places and really see where it can take me. Um, I love, like I said, I love working at Metro and getting that experience, but I do want to branch out and explore other cultures and see if I can gain some new experiences, new mm. knowledge. I'm always up for learning. So yeah. that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. Do you, are you attracted to trying to work on the line in the restaurant or does that sort of doesn't feel like your thing? I am. Um, I know that's where like the high pressure is, um, but I, I love being in front of the stove. I love, you know, feeling the heat. I love just being able to you know get that final plate out even when i get food at a restaurant or even when i'm at home i'm always rearranging my food to make it look beautiful so i i can imagine just doing that for someone else and being so proud that i'm the one that actually like got it to them beyond just the prep part so yeah yeah, i definitely want to do more experience with that yeah it can be nice there to like work in different stations you know and kind of take steps towards it like you don't have to jump from prep to the line but yeah. if there's you know the garmage or like finishing the soup like putting the toppings on the soup or mm-hmm. different things and absolutely yeah I want to I want to get my hands in everything yeah if I can but I'm doing a lot of that at home too yeah I'm trying to like you know follow recipes and I'm always looking at different cooking videos and seeing what I can incorporate in my own kitchen nice who are you cooking for it's mostly me and uh, my boyfriend, so we he gets to you know try all of my almost all of my experiments if I don't eat them all before he gets to them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just me and my boyfriend. My mom is sometimes adventurous, but she's not. Like my family doesn't really venture out into other cultures, cuisines. I mean, they will. Like they've tried Brazilian food. They love the Brazilian buffet. I do too. Yes, I was going to ask you. That is, oh there are God. so many good Brazilian restaurants yes, in Bridgeport. There are. Oh my gosh. Um, Which is not so far from soul food. I mean, no. there's more veggies and like mm-hmm. fried yuca and yes. platanos and like quinoa and some other things. But still, you have like your meat and your pasta and, and other stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of food. And good greens. Oh my God. I know. Oh, their food. Their food has flavors that are very similar to other cuisines, but they do their own spin on it you know which I love and then I love that you can do the buffet style where you just get everything you want try a little bit of everything and then you just weigh and go yeah do you have a favorite because I think there's like three main ones that I've I've been to two of the three that I know about in Bridgeport do you have one that's a favorite um there's one that's closer to downtown I don't remember the name of it 
but all I remember is that they have noodles in their buffet that I was obsessed <laughs> with. Honestly, it always comes it's back you. to noodles we, for yeah. me. I, I, I would have had noodles for breakfast this morning. I, I made pasta for dinner last night, and I was tempted to eat the rest of it for breakfast, but I didn't want to weigh myself down too much. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll list the um, uh, Bridgeport restaurants up on the website so people can find them awesome. and put links up there. So... Why do you think your family is is not so adventurous? Um, I think they're they're kind of picky eaters a lot of the time. Um, from what I've experienced, they will try different places, but it still has to be somewhat familiar to them. Um, I've tried to get them to you know try some of the things that I've either made or. You know, I've talked about different restaurants that I've been to and they're just like, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> you know, we're, we're probably not going to go for that. But um, they like the way a lot of the times that they make their food as well. So potato salad. I'm very big on my family's potato salad. Nobody makes it better than my family. My mom and my aunt make it, you know, very similar. Yeah. So I don't I don't really want to eat anyone else's because it's probably not going to be as good as my mom or my aunt's. My aunt's banana pudding, the best you're going to get. My other aunt makes a great spinach dip. It's just, you know, we have our things that you just expect it to be a certain way Mm. and no one else is going to make it as good as them. So I think that's how it is for most of our food for them. Um, Have they taught you how to make those things or is it a secret? Oh, yeah. No, I've observed. I I watch very closely. I'm always looking at things like that whenever I can get into the kitchen um, when they're cooking. I've I've watched since I was little. So yeah, I, I know, you know, the basics of how to, you know, add the right amount of mayo and the right amount of, you know, salt and pepper and a little bit of the, you know, the eggs, the boiled eggs, and you got to get the, the relish in there, certain types of relish. Um, oh, and our mac and cheese, big secret on how we get that to be perfect. You know, I, I look at everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, Can I've you also... give us a hint? Like what's your, what's your... <laughs> I think my mom might actually kill me if I, if I tried to give it what away. What kind of cheese does she use in it? Um, Is that the secret? Uh, no. <laughs> you don't have to share. It, it, that's not so much a secret. It's just, I think, to me, it's the way we combine the ingredients. Okay. And um, we use a couple different kinds of milk. We use a couple different kinds of cheese. I don't want to give away that's too That's all right. Much. You don't have to. Yeah, my mom might kill me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, so how is it for you, like... So you're, you come from an African-American family mm-hmm. and you're also very light skinned. Mm-hmm. And how is that for you in your family and also like out in the world? I remember growing up not really being sure what I was because I would be in school and I would see other black people and I would see Puerto Rican people and I would see, you know, bits and pieces of white people. There weren't a lot in my um, upbringing, in my schools um, and then other cultures. And I would look and I would say, OK, I look like some of these black people not really but a lot of my family looks like them and then i look a lot like a lot of these puerto rican people but not really so i would go home and say mom what are we what am i she'd say we're black (laughs) and it didn't add up for me because other people would constantly ask me what are you okay what do you mix with you're not just black i would constantly be negated in what i was being told so i grew up very confused and over the years i did learn to embrace my blackness and the fact that that is what my culture is and that is who I am um my bloodline and it's it's undeniable for me now but it was definitely a struggle growing up um and my mom had her sisters and they all you know they all kind of they look very different I have aunts that are darker than me I have an aunt that's a little bit lighter than me so they had each other to look at and say we're in this together 
it was just kind of me so i didn't i didn't really have that mm. and it took me a long time to embrace it so i don't really feel like i still fit in um to what you look at and think of a black person to be i know i am somewhat white passing and it's very confusing for people to see me especially my hair even the way i talk and my mannerisms i do code switch like a lot of people do um in the right times you know mm -hmm. me talking to somebody at trader joe's checking them out versus how i talk to them in the back room <laughs> talking right. about my lunch it's going to be a different experience but i kind of realized i have to make it what it is for me there are so many different ways to express your blackness it's yeah. not just one thing that's right but we are connected through our culture we're connected through our history we're connected through our experience and i do understand that my experience is different because of the way i look mm -hmm. i see it every single day of my life and i i know it but i don't look at a black person and see anyone less than um my family i don't i see them as somebody i culturally relate to on a very similar level i look at somebody and i'm proud to see them and i know that they're part of me and I don't, I know that a lot of people don't really look at me and see that, but it's, it's still very much a part of me. Yeah. I, um, so my husband is, is mixed and is black and is light skinned and my kids are mixed and, and white passing or very light skinned. And, um, and so on a personal level, just from witnessing people in my family, but also in my community growing up from, you know, just how difficult it is in our society when there's such an idea of like black and white and mm -hmm. there's not a lot of room for conversation around brown, right. you know, and like just all the colorism stuff that comes up is really, is really complicated. And I was, I was kind of curious, I was asking you this cause I was thinking about kind of your image that you're putting out of yourself and your food. Um, you made one of those little emoji, the little image of yourself and it's, and it looks white or it's like really light skinned. Mm -hmm. Like why did you choose that? And like, I know those things are hard to, get one that looks like you but why did you choose it to look like that yes well it's funny because i actually recently updated it um i saw somebody post about the fact that they changed the hair textures i was like cool i'm gonna go in there and make it look more like me because i don't identify with having like wavier hair like i had previously so i went to see if i could also change the skin color and it was either really really pale white or a shade that was the shade that I am now or a shade darker. And I don't really feel like I identify with any of the shades that they have available. It feels like I look at my skin color and I'm looking at this picture and it's like, it doesn't really match up. So it's, it's hard for them to be all encompassing. I understand that, but I don't really feel like, mm. I don't really feel like it <laughs> encompasses me, captures me yeah. the way I see myself. And then even the hair, um, I cut my hair. So I wanted a shorter hair and I'm wearing a chef's hat in the picture, but it doesn't, encompass my curls it's like waves you know right. I, my curls are very coily tight curls um when it's not frizzed out but mm -hmm. um it, it just it didn't feel like i could really capture everything so i did it to the best of what they had available yeah um and and it's funny because a lot of places do cater to lighter skin tones like um makeup companies and things right. like that and but it's still difficult for me, even with my little tiny bit of melanin I do have in my skin. It is kind of hard for me to find something I identify with. Yeah. All the How way. did it feel trying to like pick a skin color and hair <laughs> to, like then to kind of represent you on your brand of your I mean, I feel like when I look at it, it looks kind of like me. I feel like if you were to look at it and say, Oh, that is kinda of like Tiffany 
but I, I still don't see it. It was hard to really get my representation of how I see myself and kind of how I wanted people to see me. Yeah. Um, it's not perfect. If I could get an artist's rendition. Right, let's find you an artist. I know. Yeah, I tried to make one of those because I was like, oh, everybody's using them. They're cool. And I mm-hmm. went on the site and like tried to. Mm-hmm. And it was so... I had the same feeling of yeah. like the hair didn't represent me at all. And I was like, I just have curly hair and a poof on the top of my head like every day. Mm-hmm. That seems a lot of people wear their hair like that. I was like, why is there not a hairstyle? Yeah. So I think it's like really tricky to try to represent yourself in like a cartoon character. But it does bring up like all these things around like race and identity with it. So mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It definitely caters to certain types of hair and certain, you know, blanketed skin tones and eyes and it, it it is difficult to really mm-hmm. express yourself but yeah definitely got to find an artist to yeah. do some justice sounds good with your um social media you're mostly using instagram that's like your main outlet yes i really want to make youtube videos um i want to express my communication background that i got through my four years <laughs> degree in college and really put that to work um and i want to express my love for food that way and i feel like it'll be perfect outlet for me however takes a lot of work to create a YouTube video. I don't have any editing and um, background and it, it's a lot for me to learn offhand and actually tackle to get a full product out. Instagram is instantaneous, really. I take pictures anyway. I can edit them really quickly with the app. I can slap my Bitmoji emoticon on there and it's out. I can do a quick description of what I liked about the food and where the place is, a couple hashtags and it's done. And I feel gratified that I got out the content that I wanted people to see. It takes a long time to do it on YouTube, which is really where I want to be soon in the future, yes, but it'll take time. And right now, I just want to get that content out and really show people what I've got going on. And I want to connect with more people and it's allowing me to do that. Yeah, it's great. And you have great fun descriptions and you're sharing really good food. So thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. You can follow Tiff and her love of food at ctiffeat on Instagram and all the social medias. You can also find pictures, links to the restaurants mentioned in the interview, and so much more at thetableunderground.com. Find past episodes on our website, iTunes, and most podcasting sites. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram for even more goodness. Thanks for listening. This is 103.5 FM WNHH Community Radio.